Welcome to the Healthy Hair Podcast. Your host, Dr. Amy Brenner, is a board-certified OBGYN with additional certifications in functional and integrative medicine. This podcast is meant to help women find reliable, relevant information to help them feel better, look better, and live better. Here, you will hear in-depth information about hormones, sexual medicine, aesthetics, cosmetic gynecology, and functional medicine. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Healthy Her. I think you're really going to like this episode. We have Cassie Brown, uh, one of the wellness um, coaches that works in our practice. Uh, So welcome, Cassie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, so you've never been on the podcast. We just give everybody a little bit of your background, how you got into wellness coaching. Yeah, so like Dr. Brenner said, my name is Cassie Brown. I'm a clinical nutritionist, uh, master's, and um, a certified holistic health practitioner. I've been doing wellness coaching for around 10 years or so, and um, went back to graduate school and got my master's in um, uh, science and clinical nutrition. And I my specialty has been metabolic health and cognitive health. I really love to help, you know, men and women, but mostly women step into their power and regain, um, you know, control of how they're feeling and how they show up in life ultimately. And I'm, you know, new to Dr. Brenner's office um, for a couple months now, and it's just been fabulous. It's been great. So in our practice, we use the term wellness coach. For for those that um are listening, some people might not even know what that means. What does it even mean to work with a wellness coach? Or what does a wellness coach do? Yeah, so wellness coach varies depending on your, you know, specialties and your educational background, your certifications and um, degrees and things like that. But really, it's all about accountability. You know, you may go to a doctor's appointment, or you may see a PDF, or you may have a specific health journey. And it's kind of closing that gap between what we know we need to do and actually doing it, right? They kind of just fill in that gap of um, really pinpointing the awareness around um, the cause and effect of your actions and just bringing awareness to things we're too close to see sometimes, you know, we're too close to things. We're like, I don't know what's going on and kind of tetrising everything to to um, make it easier for you to reach your health. Yeah, kind of like a trainer for your health. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautifully put. (laughs) Yeah. So today we're going to talk about insulin or blood sugar spikes um, and some practical things you can do to, you know, help help soften those those spikes. But first of all, what, what is, let's explain to people, what does that even mean of an insulin or a blood sugar spike? Yeah, so both insulin and glucose, we're looking for how extreme, it's kind of like a roller coaster. A lot of people use this example, how extreme um, these spikes are after you eat a meal. And so we, you know, in our practices, we like to say glycemic variability. And what we're looking for is instead of rapid spikes of glucose and insulin, we're looking kind of for softer hills instead of, you know, mountains and, and valleys. And we want that glycemic variability to be low. Um, And so, yeah, basically how high your blood sugar is post-prandial or after you eat. 
Dr. Tiemann and I did a whole episode. I think it's episode 10, if you haven't listened to, to it, where we talk specifically about insulin resistance and some of the problems with that, how to get diagnosed. And um, I, I know you're uh, obviously with your criteria, you're not a physician, not a nurse practitioner, so you're not ordering lab tests. We do that um, in the medical side of our practice. But once somebody is maybe diagnosed with insulin resistance, um, we are actually referred to you and our other wellness coaches um, for those specific uh, tools and lifestyle medicine of, of how to prevent those roller coaster hills of insulin and blood sugar. Um, maybe we could just give a brief um, summary of, well, what's the problem? Why do I even care about this? And what's what's even the problem with insulin or blood sugar spikes? Yeah, so recent studies in the past like five or so years have just been very indicative of our metabolic health just not being as optimal in our country. I think it's you know upwards of only 90% or so of us, or actually let me reverse it, 12% of us are actually metabolically healthy, meaning 90% of us, myself included, maybe you, Dr. Brenner, like we have some work to do to try to get ourselves optimal, right? And so what's happening is because of this, we're dealing with a lot of mood changes, maybe anxiety, depression, um, irritability, low executive functioning, and physical symptoms, you know, acne, um, well, brain fog, that's kind of both, but um, rashes, I mean, now oral health is coming into play. And so, you know, dealing with um, different oral symptoms, um, I mean, the list really goes on as far as, you know, lethargy, just waking up very fatigued, no matter what you try to do. Um, that post-meal slump is extreme, but energy is like the big one. Energy, brain fog, low executive functioning. That's what we're dealing with. Yeah. So you mentioned, I, I couldn't agree more, is these blood sugar or insulin spikes could be the cause of all these symptoms. If you mentioned even mood not sleeping, um, not, not being able to lose weight is a huge one feeling hangry. Um, but the list goes on and on. And those are the things you can feel, let alone the risks that you're putting yourself, uh, um, for, of uh, you know, Alzheimer's has been called type three diabetes. So, um, having these issues puts you at risk for dementia, cardiovascular disease, and even cancer. So, so it's really important, um, that you do that. And I love that you, you mentioned how common this is and, um, like I actually have a problem and, uh, you know, I, I like to think of myself as, uh, as pretty healthy, but, um, if I'm not paying attention to, and, you know, I, I think I eat really pretty, I'm not perfectly, but I think I eat pretty good. I work, I work with, uh, you guys, myself exercise most days of my life. Um, I kind of do all the things and I still even have a metabolic issue with blood sugar and insulin. It's my Achilles uh, heel, if you will. So. Yeah, I think it's everybody's. That's why I was like, should I go and exhaust this list? <laughs> because even premenstrual um, things we're seeing PCOS, it's so connected because on it, it's just very inflammatory. 
having these rapid spikes all the time. Um, and with the brain, with these symptoms, Dr. Brenner, and I know you, you know, it's so easy to sweep anxiety and stress and overwhelm under the rug and not see them as like a physical ailment because our brain doesn't have actual pain receptors. Like what you're feeling is like the tissue with a headache or headache or whatnot. But when our brain is, you know, dehydrated, you know, not drinking enough water and, and having these spikes, our brain can't tell us like I'm you can't feel pain. And so it's a way of telling us it needs help is through that brain fog and through the anxiety. But it's so easy, especially as women, to sweep it under the rug because it's not really calling for a doctor's appointment right away. And like you said, yeah, they're calling type three diabetes, Alzheimer's and dementia. And it's getting younger and younger. I know our patients are getting younger and younger um, with these, this imbalance. Yeah, even kids have this issue. So now in our practice, um, we do a lot of oral glucose tolerance tests where we look at people's insulin and glucose fasting and have them eat a certain amount of carbohydrates and measure it um, two hours later. Uh, for those that are really motivated, uh, we could also write a prescription where everybody can get a glucose monitor for two weeks for free. Um, and then if sometimes insurance will cover it if there is a problem, um, or sometimes people will pay out of pocket. So on the medical side, we're actually looking at those numbers, um, which I think is really important to know your numbers. Um, but even if you didn't have a problem, I think these are, I, I want to get into the tips of whether somebody has a problem of what they can do to kind of uh, blunt those spikes or what, if you don't have the data, some things that everybody can do, because these are tips that we're going to get into that could help everybody. Isn't that right? Absolutely. And going back to the glucose, glucose monitor, I think it's a an, an amazing investment. See it as like an investment versus a cost because it's very low just to get, like you said, the data. And so, you know, because like you mentioned before, Dr. Brenner, what is healthy nowadays is not, it doesn't, we don't have the same response. I used to eat oatmeal all the time. Unfortunately, my blood sugar spikes after I eat oatmeal, regardless of what I put in it. And so, and that's a health food, but unfortunately I can't have it. And so some things that you can start doing to blunt this and to start out with um, is first, I always say, keep a three to five day food journal. This is something it really opens your eyes and brings awareness to what you're eating, how much you're eating, but also how you feel after. So if you're having your cup of coffee or whatever you're eating, really pay attention to how you're feeling after. If you're feeling anxious or when you're hungry after, because typically when your meal is balanced, you should be satiated for a good 48 hours, four to eight hours. Um, feeling hunger, you know, an hour, hour and a half um, after is indicative of you just not eating enough or eating something nutrient dense to keep that blood sugar kind of flowing um, or have that, um, you know, optimal energy. And so food journal, the next is food order. So don't even pay attention to what you're eating right now. Um, food order is, it's absolutely amazing. There was a, a study done, I think 2015, Dr. Brenner. <laughs> it was from Cornell University and it was targeted towards solely diabetes patients, type two diabetes patients. That's why I didn't get 
as much awareness, I'm assuming. Um, but it said that, and I'll get to this in a second, it said that putting your food in a specific order reduces your insulin, your post after you eat, your insulin spike by 73%. 73 and then glucose by I think it was 48% which is crazy so what you can do is to look at your plate and you always want to start with you know your fiber or your leafy green veggies first your protein your fat and then your starchy carbs or sugars right so what this is going to do is that fiber is going to create that mesh kind of lining in your stomach and stop that glucose from hitting your bloodstream, raising that blood sugar up. So I'm trying to break this down in the layman's terms. So if you think about it, if you eat carbs and sugar first or starches and sugars, they break down into glucose really, really quick. And, you know, they reaches your brain really fast. And that's why our brain prefers glucose because we just process it really, really quickly. Um, but you want to do the opposite. And so right then your blood sugar spikes up and then your ghrelin, which is your hunger hormone and your leptin, your satiety hormone there, your leptin is going to be lower. Your ghrelin is going to be higher. You're still going to be hungry after that. Cause then you have a blunt of insulin in your system. Like, ah, give me more stuff to put away into these cells. Um, but if you eat your fiber first, it's creating that mesh, lowering that, um, glucose into your bloodstream, but also when you fiber doesn't need insulin to break down, right? Especially if it's um, insoluble, it stays bulky. And so layering that on to blunt that glucose response is going to automatically decrease um, your postprandial glucose and insulin spikes. So when you go to a restaurant, you order a cocktail and then they bring your bread basket. That's probably not a good idea. Oh, they know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's why restaurants have the chips and salsa first, have the, the bread first, because scientifically that's more money. You know, you start craving, you'll be surprised at how many people they eat in that food order and they don't even want the chips or the bread. And and this is a beautiful thing because it's like it's not taking away things, it's just switching up the order so you're craving it less, you know, and you're more satisfied. Yeah. So what should you do when the, the waitress comes by and gives you the bread basket? It's hard to pass that up. Oh my gosh. It's so hard, but hold on a second. So, I mean, and we'll talk about um, something in a little bit, but just, you know, order like a side of veggies, like steamed broccoli or a salad and, and keep the chips or the bread, enjoy them, eat them first. So you like coat your stomach with that layer and then enjoy the bread after or enjoy the chips and salsa after or you know eat a spoonful of guacamole and some beans or something <laughs> before you do the chips and salsa yeah you know i have a story of as you know like i struggle with with blood sugar stuff and as i was uh this was several months ago when i first realized that i actually have a blood sugar and issue and i was starting to wear a continuous cgm which i still wear is I was at a medical conference out in Utah and was at this amazing farm to table restaurant. And uh, I I ate my dinner and then everybody at the table was getting dessert and the food at this place was like so amazing. And I'm not typically a dessert person, but just at this place, everything was homemade and all organic. And I wanted this like peach pie and, uh, and, 
I ate some of the peach pie and I was expecting the alarm on my phone with my glucose monitor to like start going crazy to tell me that my blood sugar was too high. Um, but it didn't go off. And, uh, and I assume it was because I had already had my meal of vegetables and protein and fat. And then I was able to eat dessert without my glucose alarm going crazy. Absolutely. And that, that, that's really how simple it is, obviously to start there. And obviously you want to eat a whole food, nutrient dense, you know, diet, but to start just experiment with that order first, because there's been, and then a few studies after that's been done, but yeah, Dr. Brenner, I had, I know this doesn't look like it now, but I had severe cystic acne and it was insane because both dairy, the sugar in it and the protein, along with just my insulin resistance was causing my skin. It, there was nothing I could sweep under the rug at that point. I was like, okay, something else is going on. So it, it, it can trigger a lot of symptoms. That's why I think it's hard for people to really put their finger on it. But I always start there. Like, you know, let's check your metabolic health because that's really the foundation of many of these chronic um, and preventable diseases. Yeah. Anything else somebody can do to lower insulin or blood sugar spikes? Oh my gosh, apple cider vinegar. <laughs> so oh, I love ACV and it actually, it's across vinegars across the board. So balsamic and white vinegar, but apple cider vinegar, as far as like drinking purposes is more tolerable. But um, yeah, so this is this has had numerous studies done about a tablespoon in like a eight, ounce glass of water and no longer than 15 minutes before a meal because if you do it like an hour before studies have shown there's no effect so like right before a meal this blunts um the enzymes that break down carbohydrates so acetic or apple cider vinegar has acetic acid and it blocks the amylase which is an enzyme that breaks down carbohydrates it blunts the secretion of that so um, the enzyme doesn't come down to break those carbohydrates down as quickly. And um, they did a study, Dr. Brenner, and I think the effects of apple cider vinegar were comparable to that of type two diabetes medication to lower glucose spikes. It was insane. I'll have to get a study. I'll have so to get the study. One tablespoon in a glass of water? Yeah, about an eight ounce. You want to dilute okay. it. And um, do it um, 15 minutes before you eat? Yeah, I... <laughs> I do it like five minutes. So maybe okay. let's, let's narrow it down to like 10. So <laughs> do, you, do you need to dilute it or can you just like chug a tablespoon? I wouldn't recommend chug. You can, but I wouldn't recommend it because you want to save the acid. It, it It's not healthy for your esophagus and your teeth. Um, but I mean, you can, but I wouldn't recommend it. Gotcha. And how does yeah. that taste? I like it, but I'm weird. Like, <laughs> I like like earthy and just strange things. So what I found, some people will do um, dilute it even more, maybe have a bigger glass of it. Um, but some people put it in their tea. I've never tried it. I've had people put it in their tea or like a carbonated like seltzer situation with, you know, some fruit or something, but experiment with it. All right. I haven't been diluting mine. I've just been chugging it and then like rinsing my mouth out and that oh, no. kind of thing. So I <laughs> got a little, I got a little bottle and I keep it in my purse and I just like do it and then like just drink regular water, but maybe it won't be as bad of uh, mixing it with water. 
Yeah, no, people are just like, I can't do this. I'm like, try mixing it with water. And I even, I know this is, I got to talk to my dentist about this. Um, I'll I know it can mess up your enamel, which is why I, when I'm done, I like squish water around in my mouth. Yeah, it's highly acidic. That's why I'm like, don't do it by itself. And then, like I said, the esophagus, but um, I actually squeeze a little bit of lemon in mine and put some sea salt in it. I don't know if that's for everybody, but it tastes really good to me. I don't know. I like. All right, I'll try it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me All know. Right. That's that's one and two. Anything else? <laughs> um, mindfully eating. That's a big one. Stress and digestion is absolutely alive and well, and it's it's very much studied as far as if you are stressed, the likelihood of you properly digesting your meal is very well is very low because you know we hold a lot of tension and. You know, if you're like me and Dr. Brent, we're busy mommies like working and we just need to sit down and we can scarf our food down mindlessly sometimes. And so this isn't only going to help with digestion, but also, you know, letting or what am I trying to say? It's going to allow us to think about how we're feeling and, you know, really pay attention to our satiety because sometimes we overeat or we don't eat enough, you know, but stress. Yeah. So, um, stress. Yeah. So getting your lunch and eating in the car as you drive from one location to another, probably not a good idea. Advocate to pause in between transitions. So just sit down and chew because when we're stressed, what happens is, you know, everybody's heard of the fight or flight and like you're fighting off a lion or tiger bear, whatever. Um, your body is like, Oh my gosh, Dr. Brenner is stressed. Like I'm, I need to help her fight off whatever threat is happening. So your blood flow ends up flowing outwards to your extremities. It's not flowing inwards to help go through the digestive process and to release the proper enzymes and acids needed to break down that food. It's not thinking about digesting. It's thinking about keeping you alive. (laughs) And so, but we're, we're in a rest and digest state, that blood flow goes inwards. And so I always tell patients like, I would rather you sit and just be relaxed and and calm and eat chocolate cake than be stressed and eat like a salad because it goes back to the healthy well i ate a salad but i'm still bloated well how stressed are you how's your sleep because that's going to factor in you know the amount of enzymes and acid you're secreting to help break down that food especially raw food let's talk about just um some things that you might think would be healthy that could cause a blood sugar spike, but is actually not healthy. And I, I like to bring this up is there was this new juice bar that opened up here in Cincinnati. And I went to this juice bar and, um, you know, you think like I got the, I got this green juice. So I assume it had kale or cucumber or something and some apples in it. You think like, okay, I'm being so healthy, my blood sugar went and I ate that first thing in the morning when my glucose tolerance is actually not as good as it is later in the day. My blood sugar went crazy with this healthy juice. Yeah, I I see it. All. I don't mean to laugh, but it's crazy because this is why everybody's situation is so unique because even Dr. Brenner, you could have the same juice maybe on vacation and you may not spike as high, right? Because you're more relaxed. It just depends. But yeah, because juicing, so the common foods are juices because they're stripped of that fiber, especially fruit juices. 
smoothies, especially people go to Smoothie King. Do you have a Smoothie King out there? Juice, things like that. If you read the labels, it is it's just all fruit and all sugar. So smoothies aren't bad. It's how we are building them. I have a smoothie anatomy I share with the patients and it shows you how to properly build a smoothie to satiate you and to you know balance your blood sugar. But smoothies, high um, fruit smoothies, like like I mentioned, oats and muesli, breakfast cereals, um, what's it? coffee, but it's not the actual coffee. It's what we're putting in to our coffee. Um, I'm trying to think of other like protein bars or a big oh, one. Oh yeah. You, um, yes. I've, I've had patients tell me that as well. I don't, you know, I keep one protein bar in my purse basically just for an emergency, but I'm not a, I'm not a fan. I, I'm not a fan of, I just don't like them maybe because I don't know, they're just so sweet and I don't typically like a lot of sweet things, but yeah, a lot of people are surprised by their blood sugar spike with protein bars. Yeah. And what I always say is anything packaged, you want to look beyond the sugar. You want to look at the added ingredients, right? If the first three or four ingredients are sugar, even sugars disguised as sugar, that thing's made up of sugar and look at the carbohydrate density. So that's how many carbs the, and, and this is carbs like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, starch or sugar, not the healthy carbs. Um, how much of the bar is made up of carbs. So you take um, the amount of carbohydrates minus the fiber divided by the serving size. And you want to look for something 30 to 30. 5%, maybe we can put this in your show notes, high, or higher in order for it to be green lit. Like, okay, this is a healthier option. Because a lot of these times, a lot of the times these protein bars or these granola, granola bars or healthy bars are ranking up to like 56 to 60% of sugar in the bar. And so what you think is healthy after you work out or after you go on a hike or whatever is really just damaging your blood vessels and, you know, that wanting that spike or I mean, releasing that high spike. Yeah. Which I think is an, another topic of, you know, these hit some foods that you think are healthy that actually have a lot of sugar in them. And I think smoothies, um, that you get at one of these smoothie places can be de detrimental. Um, in, in my smoothie, I like to keep when my spinach or greens or kale start to go bad, I actually put them in the freezer. Um, and then I add that frozen spinach or kale to a smoothie, some, um, I have a, a protein powder that I'll add. I'll add some flax seeds, some chia seeds, some frozen fruit, um, water. And when I make it at home, my, my blood sugar, it doesn't get really mad at me, but, uh, if I would go to, um, a smoothie restaurant, like that's a no, no for me. Yeah, but you just built a perfect smoothie. So you want to look for four things, right? Your protein, you know, and making sure you be careful of the powders because that's another health food. A lot of these protein powders have so much stuff in them. It's insane. And then you have your fiber and fat, your chia seeds, your flax seeds, and then you have your leafy greens. And then what I say, if somebody um, is more prone to a blood sugar spike or insulin resistance, keep your berries to at least a fourth cup or less and have darker berries like dark cherries or blueberries probably not blackberries because of the seeds unless you don't mind them 
Um, and then, you know, a little bit of banana if you need a sweetener, but you just built a perfect and ideal yeah. smoothie. Because <laughs> when you go to these places, they're like all fruit, very minimal, anything else. So nothing's, you know, creating that mesh to it's just all being released in your bloodstream. And then you're like, ah. Yeah. And you, you think know. you're doing something, you think you're doing healthy. Yeah. And um, people are like, energized yeah you have a blood sugar spike of course tell me how you feel in about an hour hour and a half you're probably slumped over somewhere wanting to take a nap because that's what happens yeah you brought up oatmeal a lot of people you know I remember when I was in college or even in med school and residency in the doctor's lounge they had those instant oatmeal packets where you just add water so um so I ate those a lot again thinking I was so healthy so let's, yep. let's talk like, also those are just, that's just sugar in a packet. Ask you, were you even full from those little packs? Like yeah. I wasn't full. I had, yeah. I think a banana with it. And then I would have a piece of toast with it. Just naked carbs everywhere. Like, oh yeah. I mean, I thought when this was in medical school, I would have talk about sugar. And I wonder why I have a problem now. Um, in med school, I would have one of those instant oatmeal packs add banana, add uh, brown sugar to it, have a glass of orange juice and a bagel. That was my breakfast. Yeah. And those are three. Whole wheat, whole wheat bagel though. <laughs> See those significant spikes. But the thing about that is I always say, if you're starting out, my thing is to add in to crowd out. So don't eliminate everything all at once because if that's all you have right now how can you like tweak it dress up your carbs so you don't have that so you can blunt that spike so if you only have instant oatmeal is there like a nut butter sea butter avocado egg some sort of fat and protein you can eat before you have that oatmeal can you stir in some chia seeds or flax seeds like what can you add to this to make it better like really think about that in your options or something. Yeah. And you called it not even, not, what'd you say? Not eating naked carbs? Yeah. Dress them up a little bit. Like our bread, like we, I remember I put, I would put like butter and sprinkle cinnamon on it and be like, oh, it's cinnamon. And it's <laughs> no, like just dress them up a little bit. Like even your banana, can you eat it with some nut butter or something? Your bread, I, now I drizzle some olive oil and some like everything bagel seasoning on it. Like what can you just add to it to, you know, drip, not leave it naked? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the other thing I recently made some vegetable soup and I, uh, so I got some veg, I bought some vegetable broth at the grocery store. And then I looked at the label and there was sugar in vegetable broth. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, those hidden sugar, Dr. Brenner, they are the hidden sugar is everywhere. If you look in pasta sauces, dressings, and, but the thing is, is, you know, when I lived overseas for a little bit, they do add a little bit of sugar to things, but the difference is, is the amount we have all the time. And like overseas, they're walking everywhere. They're more active and, you know, they're, it's, it's a different kind of lifestyle but it is everywhere. You that's And that's why I always say, take a moment to not just look, don't look at the calories and things, look at the carbohydrate density and look at the ingredients label, label the added ingredients, because that'll tell you everything you need to know. Yeah. So when you go to the grocery store and actually look at the different vegetable stocks, 
like there's some where it basically just says vegetable stock and usually some salt um, or some had hidden, you know, I think it was called maltodextrin or, yeah. you know, these hidden names of sugars. So I actually started um, making my own vegetable stock. So when you cut up vegetables, uh, you know, you peel carrots, all those vegetable scraps, I just throw them in a Ziploc bag, put them in my freezer. Then after it gets filled, then I make my own vegetable stock. So then there's nothing in it except vegetable stock or vegetables and water. And it's free. That is it. And guess what? You can put your apple cider vinegar in there and drink it. <laughs> it's ah. so I mean, try it. it. It really is like, and you know, broth is so good for you. Um, you know, making sure if you are buying it, it's organic, non-GMO, if it's from an animal, but vegetable broth, it's so good for you. It's so. Yeah. And you can make it free. So Exactly. Don't, you're reducing waste and saving money. I mean, what else? <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I like to do is, um, is after I eat to just try to go for a walk. Now that's not always possible because a lot of times I eat breakfast and lunch at work. So I don't have time to go for a 10, 15 minute walk. So if I don't, this sounds kind of crazy, but I actually do like 30 squats or 30 lunges. It's not crazy at all. And I think with the weather and because out, out there, it's really cold out here. It gets really hot. Like, I don't even want to go outside sometimes, but that's okay. And, but there was a, actually a recent study done where they tested um, a 40 minute full workout versus, I think it was just walking versus one day walking or doing some type of movement, 30 seconds to a minute every like 25 minutes or whatever. And the latter was more efficient. So that being said, if you're sitting or, you know, you're working and you don't have time, just getting up and doing, like you said, some squats or some jumping jacks or walking in a circle around your desk. I don't know what it is for like a minute or two minutes is sufficient, you know? So yeah, like you said, and just to get up and move your body after you eat, not immediately after you eat, because you obviously want to digest your food, but yeah. It's as simple as that. We overcomplicate a lot of things, <laughs> which it rightfully so. There's so much information out there, but just taking these small steps to blunt these spikes to. Yeah. And probably in Europe, um, people are doing that just out of like, they're walking, they're walking home. So they walk everywhere. I had a friend, Dr. Brenner, who she lived over there for, briefly. She would take the train 40 minutes to a Starbucks. And I'm like, girlfriend, there's so many cute cafes. Just walk. Why are you going to Starbucks overseas? You're in Europe. Like there's so many cute cafes. Everybody's walking and, you know, they walk to the store. They walk to their restaurants everywhere. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. And I know as patients, uh, if you're in our practice, people can actually work with you one-on-one -on -one and, um, not only hear these tips, but I'm sure you got other tips up your sleeve that have to do with other medical issues or other concerns other than blood sugar spikes. So thanks for joining us, Cassie. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Brennan. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Her. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and the web. Go to www 
dramaamybrenner.com to learn more. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute as medical advice, the practice of medicine, nursing or other healthcare services. No patient-physician relationship is formed. The information in the podcast and any references, material or links are at the sole discretion of the listener and not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Listeners should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical issues or diagnoses that they may have and should seek medical advice from their healthcare provider for any such conditions.